Oh, how the tables have turned, Kyle. <laughs> Hello, Hello Echo, Echo Online, Online Friends. Friends. We're so glad you're joining us today online. This week's message is the start of a two-week series, It's Better, focused on the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Before we get to the online service, we want to make sure that you know that Echo's Table Communities are about to launch this fall. These are Echo's small group communities, and they're the perfect way to get further engaged at Echo. We've got a whole slate of different groups on everything under the sun, from Bible studies to book studies to affinity groups to fitness groups. There's really something for everyone. So we're launching these groups shortly, so stay tuned for more information on how to join. Lastly, if you call Echo home, you know we love the concept of generosity. As we think about the last two years of being a church, generosity and giving has also grown. We have so many new givers this past year, and it's evident that our community is giving and living with open hands, which is truly inspiring. If you are looking to give to Echo today, you can head to our website or text any amount to 84321. Thank you for joining for us and enjoy the service. <laughs>
So I was going over this song uh, and Phil Wickham wrote it, House of the Lord. This whole time I was thinking that it meant the joy of the Lord is in this, this building. Well, she probably is. But what he meant is the joy of the Lord is in you. You are the house of the Lord. So wherever you are, you are equipped to bring the joy of the Lord everywhere you go. So let's, let's just spend some time this morning and just reverence the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. sing to the Holy Spirit There's nothing worth more that will ever come close No thing can compare You're our living hope Your presence
you are tangible and real today. We ask that you would come and fill us up again today. Make us one with you, Father. live for it. We love you, Jesus. Father, I just pray and ask that our hearts would be open to receive from you today. Lord, that our pastors, when they speak today, Lord, that they would speak your words and it would not be hindered in Jesus' name. Pray for protection over them as they stand up here that nothing would come against them, Father. I pray for this congregation. Father, I pray that they would be filled with the Holy Spirit and they would go and they would do your will every day. Father, we thank you for these things. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, but hey, we are starting a brand new series today. It's called It's Better. Can you say it's better? Now, there's a bunch of it's better scenarios out there. And I think the, the primary one that I think of, and really you kind of see the design of this whole graphic, there's always the discussion about what's better. Is it Coke or is it Pepsi? <laughs> Dr. Pepper. Diet Mountain Dew. But, you know, I know, I know this, it's, it's like, there, you know, this culture has turned polarized, right? Uh, but it, it really started with Pepsi and Coke. And that's what it's always, always been about, was just like our opinion about Coke or Pepsi. I know how many of you go to a restaurant and you ask for a Coke? They're like, no, we only serve Pepsi. And you're like, I'm about to get up and out of here. You know what I'm saying? I know there's some passionate Coke drinkers like that. Here and the same thing is on the Pepsi thing. Uh, the other thing was this: I was like, you know, the it's better scenario is like, uh, how many would agree that like like some of you are ocean people and others of you are mountain people, and you would argue, okay, it's better to go to the ocean or it's better to go to the mountains. Anybody? Anybody? Anybody there with me here at all? Okay, y'all, y'all get what I'm saying. How about this one? Uh, and I know y'all really opinionated about this. Some of you have never heard of this before, and that just means you're really, really young. But you know, you, some of you sit back and you go, is, "Is it better? What's better, Seinfeld or The Office?" 
Okay. See, it's better. It's better. I'll let that opinion. Oh, Jamie's like, I hate it all. <laughs> That's what she just said. <laughs> HGTV. <laughs> Scott, where's your credit card? Oh, you said it's dangerous. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. You better not say anything to me because you're the next person I'm calling out. So, um, but some of you are like Meg Coke and the Holy Spirit, and and it's better. I don't really get it. And uh, just just bear with me. In John 16:7, Jesus says to his disciples, "I assure you, it's better for you to that I go. I sh- I assure you that it's better for you." that I go. And if I don't go away, then the companion, the counselor uh, in Greek, it's parakletos, won't come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And I don't know about you, but I've, I've thought about this considerably. Like how many of you ever like thought about this? Like, like, man, it would be awesome to be like around when Jesus was, Jesus was around and to be one of his disciples to walk with him, to interact with him. And, and at the same time, Jesus looks at those disciples and said, yeah, I know you really appreciate what you have, but there's something better that's supposed to come after. And so really what I wanna do is just take the next few weeks and honestly, kind of the next few years, um, periodically, and keep leaning into the it's better part of God. Yeah. And planning a church and, and almost being two years old uh, and, and being a part of a number, number of table communities, every time I get to the discussion about the Holy Spirit, it just always feels like the room is sitting there leaning on the edge of their seat going, just give me a little bit more of that. Like, like I think our hearts are drawn to spiritual things. In fact, there are some of you that are in here and you are just, man, everything spiritual. You're like... <gasps> And you're like a sponge. And, and I sense that, that the Holy Spirit in this series is about to like, like, like change your life. That you've been drawn to spiritual things, but the Lord is calling you to not spiritual things. He's calling you to the Spirit. Yes. And that is good, Romeo. Come on, that's what I'm talking about. I missed you, brother. <laughs> But I really do mean that. And, and, and what, what I've, um, what, what I've um, uh, sensed as, as, as the pastor here is that the Lord is calling us deeper. And if we're gonna go deeper, it's leaning into the it's better part of God and, and allowing to him, him to really lead us. And um, Jesus says it's better. And I'm just, um, I guess, um, gutsy enough to believe it. And so I kind of want to geek out on you. It's been a while. And, uh, and, and just kind of talk a little bit about the Holy Spirit and where the heck did that all come from? Is, is that okay? And so honestly, like you guys, I, I don't see notepads out right now. I don't see your phones out. You're gonna want to write down a few, th- few of these things. You want to, oh, yes, okay, yeah, I see one right there. Uh, but begin to, t- I really want you to take notes. There's gonna be so many things that I'm gonna mention here. And you know what? You're gonna have to go home and do some homework if you wanna know a little bit about it. And so what I wanna do is I wanna talk about the Holy Spirit and where exactly we can see the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. And then I wanna jump into the New Testament. And by that time, it'll be about 1 p.m. So it's perfect, okay? So uh, no, I'll, I'll try to be as fast as I can. I gotta look at my time here, okay? So the Holy Spirit, where, where does the Spirit emerge within scriptures? It starts in Genesis. The, uh, there's something very significant about the first references in scripture. In fact, when I am studying and I'm leaning into my own personal study with God, a lot of times I will go into uh, the etymology, the word meaning, and I will always go back to the first time a word was presented in scripture. And for many of those, uh, those references, you can find that in Genesis. And the spirit emerges almost immediately within the, the creation narrative. So the Holy Spirit really just shows up first in this first reference called hovering over the water, that the Spirit hovered over the water. It's this word ruach. And I think what's significant about, my voice just went really high there. I was impressed. Uh, 
What I think is absolutely significant about this first reference is the Holy Spirit is correlated with the creation of a thing. That right at the beginning in the Old Testament, the spirit emerges on the scene and he's a part of this creation uh, process. And then what we see as the spirit continues to emerge throughout the Old Testament is this, is the spirit is limited to certain people. And those certain people are are, are like this, and it kind of goes in this order. We see first it it goes into like prophets and and judges and then kings and and then priests and general leaders of the Israelite people. And, and, and I guess an example of that is the spirit would come over or, or, or really uh, emerge in Samson's life. Anybody know, anybody grow up in the church, you hear the story about Samson and how he had to grow out his hair, never cut it and, and, and he, he couldn't drink uh, wine or any alcohol, he had to stay away from that. He couldn't touch dead things. And it's kind of a crazy story. And, and it's very, uh, was it uh, reminiscent of, Hercules, you know, that type of story that you might hear about, but it's in scripture. And, and, and the spirit would come over him and it would empower him to, to do great things and phenomenal things. Now, when I say great and phenomenal things, like I'm not actually saying like things that are really ethical because a lot of times when and it seemed to be like the spirit uh, would come upon him and, and Samson would just kind of do whatever he wanted to do. You know what I'm saying? And I think some of those stories that you heard growing up, like you're like, wow, he was, I mean, he did some really great things. And I, and I would just suggest to you that maybe the spirit came over him and, and yes, they empowered him, but he didn't understand how to put that in the right vein to honor God the way that God intended. Therefore, at the end of his story, he's blind and he's, he, he's had his hair cut off. He's lost the power of the spirit and he's now become a servant of a king. And he, he, he just says, Lord, give me one more opportunity. And in a significant way, I, I think that we can fall into a Samson-like uh, relationship with the spirit that, that, that can become an unhealthy way. And I just wanted to mention that because you see that with the prophets, you see with, that, with the kings, the priests, and you see that uh, with the leaders of the Israelites, it's not always this great thing, but regardless, God is always empowering a person in the Old Testament to be used by the spirit. In fact, we see Moses and man, arguably one of the best leaders in the Old Testament and in Numbers eleven twenty nine, he says this in the midst of trial and the pressures of leadership and, and the struggles of guiding these millions of people through the desert in a really odd manner to the promised land. He says this, I wish that all of the Lord's people were prophets and the, that the Lord would put his spirit on them. So the Old Testament, we see the, the, the Holy Spirit emerge in creation, but then put on specific people to do a specific task. And then you hear leaders starting to speak in the Old Testament going like, wow, this is heavy. And I wish more people could experience that. And that's really the foundation of the Spirit in the Old Testament. See, the Spirit was always given to a vessel to speak, to lead, to empower, and to equip. So write that down. The spirit was given to vessels, to humans, to speak, to lead, to empower, and to equip. And that's really the foundational element of understanding the spirit according to the Old Testament. But then the New Testament comes, right? Jesus comes up onto the scene and in and, and this portion of scripture, uh, the, the first time we see, or not the first time we see um, the spirit in the New Testament, but the first time he's really interacting with Jesus is when Jesus is baptized. And there's this moment where he goes up out of the water and we read about how the spirit descended upon Jesus like a dove. And what I find fascinating after Jesus's baptism and arguably the infilling of the Holy Spirit upon Jesus or this, this like public uh, declaration or image of the Holy Spirit coming upon Jesus, the very first thing that happens to him is he's sent out into the desert. And the first thing that happens after that is this, is there's temptation. 
which I think is absolutely fascinating for those biblical geeks out there. Because when I look at Samson's life, I see the spirit coming upon him and I see him fail temptation. Now, some of you are like, no way. Samson was a hero of the faith. Yes, he did great things, but he did a lot of bad things too. I hate to break it up, break, break up your mind and your, your uh, Sunday school lessons that you've heard, but really go and start and study what Samson did. Samson failed underneath temptation over and over and over and over, but he was filled with the spirit. And so Jesus has this interaction with the spirit he sent out into the desert and he overcomes the temptation with the power of the spirit. Jesus was equipped, I believe, at that moment to do the works of God. And I think the temptation that he overcame, Jesus in the desert, was to turn the temptation of serving God for self-gain. That in the desert, when all those temptations come rolling his way, and you can go and read that reference, Google it, Jesus' temptations in the desert and, and eventually read about it. But all those temptations was to turn the power of God for em the emphasis of self. And Jesus overcame that. And then he bursted out into the scene, right? And people start following him. He starts healing people. He starts speaking into people's life. Jesus is equipped to do the ministry that God ordained him to do here on earth. And then Jesus starts teaching. And he says things like this in John 14, 16. He says, I will ask the father and he will give you the parakletos. He will give you the counselor. He will give you the comforter. And then he goes and he says in, in John 14, 26, something in the way of this, the, player, the parakletos, which is a Greek word for counselor or, or um, comforter, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send and he will teach you. And then he says, when the counselor, when the Holy Spirit comes in, in 1526 around there, he says, he will testify about me. And so Jesus starts priming his disciples, those people that are following Jesus, that guess what, I am going to leave and there's just simply something better that's going to come along. And so Jesus himself begins to teach. And so understanding the Holy Spirit in the, in the New Testament is to understand that God's original plan was that all people would be filled with the Spirit, that all people would be empowered to do the work of God here around them. And so Jesus, before he leaves, and we can read this in Acts, he says things like this, wait to receive the paracletos. Wait to receive the Holy Spirit. And, and, and it says this on one occasion in Acts 1, and you can see this on the screen or you can pull it up on, on your Bible app. It says on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them a commandment. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, these are people that believe in Jesus. You know what I'm saying? They're about to give their life to Jesus. And some of them, yes, they ran and they denied. And there is one that betrayed. But for the most part, these are legit disciples. And Jesus is saying, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. There is an extracurricular type of event that you need to experience as I leave. But it's going to take a little bit of patience. It's going to take a little bit of waiting. And so that's exactly what they do. And in Acts 2, we see this. And this is actually where the modern day church has made church kind of strange. <laughs> we read this account and because we've seen other people navigate within it, uh, and, and I grew up in this type of vein of church, that, that you kind of put God in a box and you begin to believe that there's only one way that God really truly is going to, to move within the spirit. And, and I just want to kind of, yes, embrace some of the things, embrace the things that are said here, but not limited to Acts 2, because we can see in the Old Testament, as I've read, the spirit does things differently in different people. In Acts 2, it says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the spirit enabled them. 
And what happens after that very moment is they kind of bust out of this upper room, 120 of them, and they go into their culture. They go into the center of their city, into the center of their worship space. And they begin to speak in different tongues and people begin to understand them. And guess what their natural uh, uh, movement was to say yes to Jesus. These people received the spirit and they walked out and they were empowered and they were equipped to lead people to Jesus. And, and, and when I read this, and, and, and again, I grew up in a vein of, 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 um, of maybe a ministry theme where, where we focused a lot on the tongues and the receiving of tongues and, and, and speaking in different tongues. And some of you are like, I had no idea that this is the type of church that I walked into today. Um, and, and to be honest, I believe in speaking in tongues. I feel like I have received that gift as a personal prayer language. And I really, really appreciate it. But I can just tell you that if we're sitting here focusing on tongues, we're gonna miss the focus on the Holy Spirit. So let us focus on tongues less and more on the Lord speaking you, uh, to you in and through you in a culture or in a language that the culture would understand. I, I feel like what I want Echo Church to understand is this, is that the spirit wants to fill us all. And yes, some of us will be given different gifts and it's a, of the spirit and, and, and many of you probably actually have the gift of speaking in, in other tongues, uh, but I just don't want you to sit back and go, but, but that's it. That's like, that's like the peak of, 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 of a spiritual existence is we get this gift and this is where we're at because I believe that this story has so much more to offer. That, that, that tongues are important, but the more important component of it is that the Lord is speaking through, through you in a language that the culture understands with a fire and a passion and a boldness with presence and the power of the Holy Spirit upon you. Because I can tell you this, and then in 1 Corinthians uh, 13, right after the... the, the um, the teaching of the gifts. Jesus goes, uh, the, the author goes into 1 Corinthians 13 and what he emphasizes on this, you can speak in tongues, but if you have no love, you just sound like a clanging cymbal. And I think that was him trying to rewrite the narrative a little bit of, of importance and say, hey, guess what? Yes, it's great that you have a gift, but guess what? God really wants to use you to speak to those around you with that passion, with the boldness, with presence and power. And the rest of Acts, what we find out is this, is throughout that book, there's um, a giving and the receiving of the spirit. And, and, and next week, I, I wanna specifically focus on a, a man named Simon Magus, uh, which means Simon Mega. He is, he's been, he was known as Simon with much power in him uh, coming to believe in Jesus and his desire for the spirit and, and actually unpack his motivations. Uh, and, and I think you'll be absolutely fascinated about that. But, but what we see is, is stories throughout Acts of people receiving the spirit and walking into the world into their context and truly making a difference. And I think that's what the Holy Spirit is all about. And in fact, um, Fitzmaier, a commentary I wrote about the Acts of the Apostles, he writes this, the spirit as the manifestation of God's presence to his people transforms them in a reconstituted people of God with a new God-given vitality. And that's what I believe is important. That's what type of church I want to be is one that goes, no, we can't just do this on a, a, alone, but we need the power of the spirit to, to send us out with that passion, to send, out, send us out with that purpose and that anointing, to, oh, that's a big spiritual word there, uh, to go out into our context and to speak people's language that people might come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But I made an observation about the Holy Spirit according to the Old Testament and the New Testament. My first observation, this is something for you to write down is this, the Holy Spirit was always give, given with something. The Holy Spirit was always given with something. You can read about it and you can find it if you find all those scriptures and all those verses. The Holy Spirit was given with joy. 
I love what Dexter said in the midst of worship. He, meant, he made reference to, to the Lord giving us joy, that the joy of the Lord resides in us. And when the Holy Spirit is given to us, we can be filled with joy. We can find other references. When the Holy Spirit is given, he gives power. Yes, there are references to gifts like tongues and prophecy. There's gifts uh, uh, and, 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 and when the Holy Spirit is given to you, there's boldness and he gives you ability and he gives you skill and guidance and power. And so the first observation that I want you to take away today is when the Holy Spirit is given, he always gives you the Holy Spirit with something else. But the second observation is the Holy Spirit was given also for something. The Holy Spirit was always given with something and the Holy Spirit was meant to be given for something. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is given to you to live out your purpose, to empower you for the works of service, to point people towards God. And I just have to tell you, the Spirit isn't just given for you. The Spirit isn't just given so you feel the Holy Spirit or feel these goosebumps or whatever it is or, or to sense his presence. Yes, that all comes along with it potentially. But here's the deal. The Holy Spirit isn't just for you. It's for the world. Yeah. And the thing that I want to overemphasize is this. It's not for your gain, but for the gain of God's kingdom. Yeah. And to be honest, as a, a young man within the church, Growing up and we would have these moments where it was these evening, it seemed like Sunday, Sunday night church. Anybody part of Sunday night church when you were younger? Come on. I just need to know who the religious folk in the place are. Come on. And I was there. Man, I went to church every Wednesday, every Saturday for prayer, Sunday morning, Sunday night. And Sunday nights, I remember there were moments where we'd be seeking the Holy Spirit seeking for God to do a, a thing in, in our life, but it seemed to be in my, my mind and my interpretation of it is we were always seeking the gift instead of the giver. And I can tell you there was many days and many nights and many moments where I left disappointed because I didn't experience the gift. And quite honestly, because my focus was on the gift, I never experienced the giver. And uh, before you kind of check out today and, and, and go, man, Andy, you really geeked out today. And he talked about a lot of spiritual things today. Uh, I want to tell you today that I believe that God wants to empower you so you can serve in your context. If you're at school, if you're at work, if you are driving down the road, come on, some of you need the filling of the spirit with some joy on the road. <gasps> I almost called someone out, but I didn't have to behave. Um, but one of the most fascinating parts of the Old Testament is found in Exodus uh, 35. And band, you guys can come up, this will be short. In Exodus 35, 30, as Moses had made that reference, I wish that all people would be filled with the spirit. Uh, there's a moment where God actually speaks to Moses um, earlier in Exodus 31. And then Moses articulates what he hears from God to the Israelites. And this is where we, where we go is Exodus 35, 30, it says, and Moses said to the Israelites, see, the Lord has chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. Anybody proud of me for getting those names? Come on. <laughs> I practiced last night. It was... He said, I've chosen this man. And he was filled. He has filled him with the spirit of God. And when he was, spirit, he was filled with the spirit, with it came wisdom and understanding and knowledge and with all kinds of skills. And then it says in verse 32, and to make artistic designs. I mean, when's the last time you heard about the Holy Spirit and filling you to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, silver and bronze? 
to cut and set stones, to work. Man, I'm feeling the Holy Spirit moving in this room right now, to work in wood and to engage in all kinds of artistic crafts. And he's given both him and Oholiab, son of some guy, the tribe of Dan. I don't feel like I've got anxiety, but when I have to read biblical names, man, you just... <laughs> but he had given this Oholiab the ability to teach others, and he's filled them with the skill to do all kind of work as engravers, designers, embroiderers in blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and fine linen, and weavers, all of them skilled workers and designers. I'm not sure if you know where I'm going, but some of you are listening to this Holy Spirit talk and you're like, yeah, not for me. But according to this scripture, it is for you. Because some of you, you, you plumb. Others of you paint. There's people who sell cars and you train individuals, you program, you talk finances. You're in school. And for some reason and somehow, you've disconnected the spirit and his empowering and his equipping in your life with what you actually do. And I want all of us to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, to be filled, to leave this room, to step into our business and be led by the spirit to be equipped with joy. Come on, someone, you need to be a little happier about the job that you have. To be equipped with wisdom, to be equipped with favor, to have the necessary skill and the gift to honor God with, with design, to honor God with the expertise that he's given you. Some of you've lived your whole life and you feel like you've just worked a nine to five, but I'm trying to tell you, you don't have to do that. You can walk into your space and worship God with the breath that you breathe. I just wanna stop relying on us and I wanna start relying on the spirit to, to work through us that we would be that vessels like the Old Testament and like the New Testament, that we would be empowered, we would be equipped to walk into our everyday ordinary life and begin to point people to God with the simple things. You close your eyes, would you just bow your heads just for focal reasons today? What if instead of seeking the gift this morning, we would begin to seek the giver? I think today marks a day where we begin to awaken a spiritual hunger and thirst with the invitation to a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And the one thing we need to understand with the Holy Spirit is this, is patience. To learn the art of waiting, to learn that in waiting, God wants to begin to give us a spiritual desire and I believe begin to create a dependency upon his voice. I also believe that in those moments where Jesus looked at the disciples and said, oh, hey, I wanna give you something better. In the waiting, uh, many, many times, we begin to understand what it means to become empty. Because the longer we wait, I believe just that there is a, a cleaning there's a restoring, a renewal. In fact, I think in Acts 2, when it talks about the, the fire uh, resting upon them, I believe there, there's a reference to a refinement that comes before refilling. 
and waiting is difficult, but I wanna learn it. I wanna, I, I wanna be a church that, that, you know what? We come week after week and, and yes, we're here to praise God and we're to acknowledge that his work is, is good and, and it's great and we're gonna praise him, but that we come into this space every week. We come into our, our, our places of, of devotion to God on a daily basis and we just wait and say, Holy Spirit, we are just attuning our ears to you. Would you empty us to refill us with your spirit? Proverbs 25, four says, remove the dross from the silver and the silver can produce, the silversmith can produce a vessel. Holy Spirit, here we are. We're your vessels. And many of us, we, we, don't, we don't really know <laughs> what this Holy Spirit thing is all about. But today is just all about being willing to open our hearts and our minds to the personhood of the Holy Spirit. We open our hearts, we open our minds. God, some of us, we need to rewire our thinking about what the Holy Spirit is, how we've put a focus on, on the gifts and refocus on the giver. Holy Spirit, would you begin to do that? We welcome you into this space, not into this room because you've already been here, but into the confines of our hearts and our minds, the places that we hold you out of. Would you empty us and we're open for you to refill us? In Jesus' name, amen. In order to receive the Holy Spirit, one of the theological basis of the filling of the Holy Spirit is that we must first believe and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. And some of you came in here for the very first time and you're overwhelmed with what I said. And you're like, man, <laughs> I don't know anything about that. But what I want to do is say, be patient. But where you need to start is a surrender with Jesus. Jesus is calling all of us to follow him. God has called us to be disciples. And then he looks at us and says, wait, and I will fill you. And what we are all about here is inviting those that feel far from God to come and take a step towards God. So every week we pray a prayer. It's a prayer of surrender, but it's also a prayer that reminds us that we're following God. So Echo Church, I'm gonna ask that you would stand up, that the prayer would be on the screen. And as we pray every time, we'd pray this and mean it as we submit our life to Christ as our savior. Let us pray. Jesus, I surrender. I have more questions than answers, but I choose to follow you anyway. I acknowledge that you lived, you died, you rose again, all with us in mind.
I just want to take a second and do something. Uh, I just want to say how proud I am that you're my pastor. And I know, like, we get to see this thing on Sundays, and it's, that's part of it. That plays a part. But it's, what's, it's what God's doing in you and through you. And it's just a, it's, I think we get a closer seat maybe than other people do, but I just am super proud to call you my pastor. So in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul does this thing. He is repeating something that Jesus did, let's call it 20-ish years earlier. So Jesus does this thing where he breaks bread and he talks about the cup. And Paul does it 20 years later. And the reason that's important is because the church found it important. It was life-giving. So I'm going to read this. I'm going to emphasize a part. So what it says is, let's skip down here. The master Jesus on the night of his betrayal... He took the bread. Having given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body broken for you. Do this to remember me. After supper, he did the same thing with the cup. This cup is my blood, my new covenant with you. Every time you drink this cup, remember me. What you must solemnly realize is that every time you eat this bread and every time you drink this cup, you reenact in your words and your actions the death of the master. You will be drawn back to this meal again and again. But you must never let familiarity breed contempt. Now, I'm just going to throw this out here. As, as somebody who's gone to church my entire adult life, is sometimes communion is just familiarity. And I think what we talked about today was the fact that we want Jesus to do something new. We want the Spirit to come and do something new. And so when we move forward today in communion, I just want us to keep that on our mind. It's we're doing this in a remembrance of who Jesus is and what he did and also what he's going to do. So let's do this. Let's take our sweet little packages here and start opening them. It's not the easiest thing to do with a microphone in your hand. All right, let's open the top first so you don't spill. That way I won't spill too. God, we take this bread and we just remember the sacrifice that you made, not just for our mistakes, but God, for our futures. God, we love you and we praise you and we give you all the glory, Lord. Thank you for the gift of communion and the opportunity to know you and be with you. In Jesus' name, let's take the bread together. Jesus does community, he does it with 12 other people. One who's about to betray him, but 12 other people. And it was important to him to do it in community. When we take communion, sometimes we take it by ourselves. I used to joke when we were doing quarantine church that Mountain Dew, Andy said Mountain Dew and Pepsi, or Mountain Dew and Pizza, I mean. Mountain Dew and Pepsi. Mountain Dew and Pizza. It doesn't matter what you do. If you've got this sweet little condensed cup that fits everything in there, or if you don't, the importance is we do this in remembrance of Jesus and we do it together. Jesus, thank you for the cup. Thank you for your covenant and thank you for the love that you show us. God, move like you've never moved before in our lives. We love you, Lord, and we give you the praise in Jesus' name. Let's take the cup together. I've been thinking about gifts this morning. The Holy Spirit is referenced as a gift, and I was thinking about the idea of giving a gift. And you know what's funny? I think you, like, you think you want your, let's say I give Jamie a gift, or I give Nixon a gift, or I give somebody a gift. Like, you think what you want them to want or like is the gift. But what you really want is for them to realize that you value the relationship. Right? When we give a gift, it's not really about the gift. It's about the relationship. And so when Jesus comes and he gives the spirit to us as this gift, it's not just about focusing on the spirit part. It's about being reminded that Jesus' relationship with us is what matters. Andy quoted 1 Corinthians 13, 1, which, by the way, is one of my favorite verses for a lot of reasons. But when he says, when Paul's up there and he's like, listen, it's awesome that you receive this part of the gift and you can speak in another tongue. But guess what? If you don't look more like the giver, then it doesn't matter. 
If you don't look more like Jesus, if love is not in you, then it does not matter. Let's look like the, let's look like the giver. I want to say something really quick also about Samson. I'm just going to throw this out there. Samson is a knucklehead. There is no way to put it. And sometimes we read about people in the Bible that are knuckleheads to kind of remind us that when we're struggling through something or we do something really stupid, God's still with that too. You know, sometimes people's critiques of the Bible have to do with tearing apart these people that we put in there. But I love how human Samson is. Like, he has virtually no redeeming qualities in the entire story, yet somehow he is like the kid's Bible story that we all know. But what it should be a reminder of is it doesn't matter what stupid thing you used to do or were a part of. It matters that God is still God and he's with you today. Now, we got a couple of things going up, coming up here at the church. I just want to do this. We like to celebrate here at church. Can we celebrate those that are new here today? Come on. Yeah. Yeah. 